If you have scripture tonight, we're going to be digging around a little bit in this precious chapter one of the book of Ephesians, and I would love for you to kind of get there and get ready for me. Does anybody remember the label maker era? Is that still with us, or did that pass, pass on? Has anybody ever had one of these? This is the new model right here. This is what you get, and this is the Buzz Lightyear model of uh, the label maker. Does anybody remember the old label maker? Anybody around for that? Not really. Anybody even know what we're talking about yet? You're like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Is it on? Do I have an app for it? No. This is, this is real old school technology. And the thing about it is what you do is you'd get one of these and you'd label your stuff because everybody wants to label their stuff. I mean, at least all the, you know, sort of OCD people in the house like to get things in bins and organize the bins and label all the bins so everybody knows where everything is. And you probably put different color, you know, tape in your label maker for different things to categorize all that. And, or at least your mom did or your cousin did or your aunt did or your brother did or somebody in your family had that defective gene and wanted to organize everything and label everything and and I get that. I have a little bit of that in me as well. And uh, the thing about it is, is that when you get the label maker, you label your stuff. It would be really odd to get a label maker and go around labeling other people's things. Now, some of you have that gene, and we will hope that God will change that and transform that in you, but some of you can see that. You can see actually going into someone else's house or into their world and actually labeling their stuff, but that's not the way it works in life. You label your stuff. Everybody labels their own stuff. And I think that's the kind of the key thing about, about these things and, and how they work. It's pretty amazing. And what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks together is really what labels you. What, what defines you? And as much as you know, we all want to say, well, nothing defines me and nobody defines me, I think if we're honest, we all are very conscientious of the fact that we live in a label-driven world. In fact, the, one of the great proofs of that to me is the phenomenon that's happened in America called the outlet mall. Has anybody ever been to the outlet mall before? It's never in town. It's always about an hour out of town to the outlet mall. But when you go to the outlet mall, the, the big draw there for us is they have all the brands that we want at the prices we can afford. And so we're going to drive an hour to get the brand we want at the price we can afford. So if you love to rock the polo, then that's possible in your budget if you're willing to drive to the outlet mall. Now, there's a, a little downside to the outlet mall and the polo store at the outlet mall. The downside is um, it's all the polo that no one else in America wanted. <laughs> so you got to be willing to step into that right off the bat. Like, I like it. Nobody else wanted it. I want it. Or it may be the polo that people wanted, but it's in the size that nobody wanted. And so if you're like, you know, looking for a large, no way. We got extra smalls and we got three XLs at the outlet mall. And you're digging through stacks for hours. Just like, no, it's in here. I'm going to find it. I'm going to look through every item in here because it's in my price range. The other thing you have to get on board with is it might be last year's or the year before last year's style at the outlet mall. But a lot of people, I don't care. I can get the brands I want for the, the price I can afford. And I'm like, what triggered all of that? I think it was a label-conscious culture triggered all that. 
It's powerful enough to get all of us to drive an hour to get stuff from the right brand at a price we can afford because we are, for the most part, conscious of the things that define who we are. So the question that we're asking in this series is, who or what defines you? Who or what defines me? And and don't say, well, nothing defines me. I define myself. No, most of us are caught somewhere in a stream of things that do label or define our lives. And they're not all bad. They're not all good. It's just the way it is in life. It could be that your accomplishments are, are the thing or is the thing that defines who you are. That's the thing you lead with. I graduated from X. I have a master's degree from so-and-so. I won the sales manager of the year award last year. I uh, played such and such a sport. I did such and such a thing. And our accomplishments, things that we have done, or our accomplishments, the things that we have not done, define and label our lives. Our family name can define our life. Whether you come from a great family or a not-so-great family can domino into your view and everybody else's view of who you are, what side of town you're from, what, what your family's standing was in the community, what, what your family's reputation was, what, what your parents were like, all that can play into the definition or the shaping of you. Your current job is a big definer or a big label of you. Where do you work? What's your job where you work? What's your job title? How long have you been there? What's your company like? In fact, some people say your resume is the most important one sheet on earth because it tells everybody who you are, what you've done, where you've been, and what you can do. And to build that resume, great. You've got to have some places on there that register with people in the right way where you did the right things. And a lot of times it's where we are, our current role, our current job. It's our net worth can define us or our net worthlessness can define us or shape who we are. Our season of life can be powerful. Maybe you're currently divorced and that season of life has tried to be the definer of you. And it doesn't matter anything else about you, you're divorced. It doesn't matter what you did in the past, you're divorced. It doesn't matter about your heart, you're divorced. It doesn't matter about your gifts, your abilities, your talents, your dreams. No, you're divorced and that's the label that's trying to define who you are to the world. It could be that you're a mom and all of a sudden you got a new definer in life. I just became a mom and now that's the thing that tells the world and tells me who I am. You could be a student. That's a season of life that defines you. It could be that you're widowed and that's a reality in a season of life that defines you. It could be that you're single and that's the thing that defines you. And I don't mean single in the right zone of life, not that there's a right or wrong zone of life, but you know, we in a culture think that if you're a certain age, being single is acceptable, but in another chapter of life, being single is not that acceptable, and some of you may be in that season of life, and that word has tried to define you. If you're in that season and you've struggled with that, you know that because you get a prophetic prayer from your grandmother every single day. (laughs) She doesn't even have a phone, but she figured out how to use email so that she could send you a word from God every day about your singleness. You hear that awkwardness and you know, we're not not laughing because a lot of people in the room right now are like, yeah, that's really not that funny because I did get a prophetic word from my grandmother today actually. This is your day, I I believe it. But then people saying, well, you know, who's gonna be there having a few couples together and they're like, well, can I bring my single friend? 
And then you realize you got invited as the single friend. And then when you get there, everybody's looking at you, oh, that's Janelle, her single friend. And it can define you. That word, that one word can define you, can label you. Our circumstances, what we've lost, what we've gained, what we've been hurt by can define us. Our appearance, again, what we've lost, (laughs) what we've gained (laughs) can define us. What we wear, and I love it, what we won't wear. Because somebody said earlier, I ain't going to no outlet mall because I'm not wearing any labels. Great. You're a non-label wearer. (laughs) No, it has to be handmade by, you know, with all organic products in a really wonderful, healthy environment where everybody's happy. Great. That's awesome. That's a definer. That's a label. And the way you look, what you wear can be a definer for you. Words spoken to you or about you, if you're not careful, they can define you. Your friends, your tribe, your crew, the clique you hang out with, your popularity, what your friends say about you can to you become the definer of who you are. Your talent, that's what you can do better than most people, what you can excel at, your ability, that can be the thing, your stuff, what you drive, where you live, what you can afford. All these things can define us. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful what we allow to be spoken into and over our lives. Because it can go wrong. What people speak into or try to write over your life, it can go wrong. It, it went wrong for this guy right here. No regrets. Might have gone wrong for this next person. Or not. Man, that's not the one you want to get on your back. You know, that's not the one you want to find out about later after the fact when you're trying to hold up a mirror and you're like, I, I can do anything through Christ. <laughs> Brad Jones was kind enough to let us use this image and... Um, <laughs> He doesn't like people knowing about it, but he said, you know, for the sake of the gospel tonight, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one's that strong. I do, I believe, I believe. How about this next one? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know what's worse, the misspelled word or the little peppermint thing with the <laughs> face on it. You know, a lot of people, a lot of tattoos are awesome. Uh, There are some amazing ones. Friends of ours have great ones. And then there's this one. I think some people from the 10 o'clock are just getting this one just about right now. It was a shock to the system when we showed tattoos at 10. People were like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. We're, We're losing the plot. You have to be careful what gets spoken into and over your life. And you have to make sure at the end of the day that you're not allowing anything less than the last final and right words 
to be the words that are spoken over you. And I'll tell you why it's important that we ask the question tonight. I mean, surely all of us have something in this list that does in some way define who we are. Every one of us, there are great things in this list, and it's not all bad, but the problem with the things that can define us is this. Everything in that list is a variable. Everything in that list is a variable. So if your worth, your value, your identity is wrapped up in any of those things, then your worth and your identity is wrapped up in a variable today because every one of those can go up and every one of them can go down. Every one of them can become more and every single one of them can become less. So it is imperative that you and I find something that we can root in that's not going to change, something about us that can be spoken to and over us that's not going to vary at any stage of our lives, no matter who we are, what we do, where we go, or what other people say about us. And that's why we're coming into this series. And what we want to say in this series is that God gets the last word about you and he gets the last word about me. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He spoke the first words about us before there was even in us to see, and then he gets to speak the last words over us. And so if you or I have chosen any word other than what he has already spoken over our lives, then we're settling possibly for something less than what God wanted us to walk with in our lives. He is your maker. He's the one who thought about you. He's the one who intended you. He's the one who designed you. And he's the one who gets to label you. No one else can do that but God. Because he is your maker. And whatever he speaks over you is what you want to go with for the rest of your life. And when he speaks over you, you will learn that what he speaks trumps everything else that is spoken to and about you. So we're going to look at a couple of words over the next few days. We're going to look at four words over the span of the series. And we're going to think about what God is saying And we're going to see together that what God says is the most important thing. And God is saying over you, and God is speaking over us tonight, who he thinks you are. And God is speaking over your life tonight, this word. This is the label I want you to wear. You are chosen. You are chosen. God chooses you. And so whatever anybody else has said, whatever you have thought, God is speaking and God is saying, I get the last word. And we see it right here in the text in Ephesians chapter 1. 
And we're going to read most all of the text together. And as we do, you're going to notice that we've started with a big word. And if you're into theology, you realize right away, oh my goodness, you've picked a really big word when you pick the word chosen. If you're a Presbyterian and you're here at the five or you're from a Presbyterian heritage, you just got so excited right now that you're actually running laps on the inside of yourself. Now, none of us will ever know that because you're Presbyterian, but you are extremely excited right now. You're Heart rate isn't rising, but your internal enthusiasm is off the charts right now. And you're thinking, finally, we've gotten on to the right idea. Because there's a big theological conundrum in the church, and it has been around for 2,000 years. And the, the issue basically is this. Does God decide and choose everything that happens in life? Or do we have a choice in the process that actually affects the outcome of who we are and what we're about and where we go in life? Does God decide it all? Or do we have a part to play in deciding how our lives unfold? And there are people on both sides of that story. But what I want us to see tonight is that it's maybe not the most essential thing that we resolve this mystery in a few moments together tonight. It may be more helpful for us to stand amazed in this mystery tonight and to ask the more important question, what does it mean for my life that God has chosen me? Now, the fact that God has chosen us is without question, and so we're not really opening that one up for much debate tonight because the text helps us clarify it right away. Ephesians 1 opens in this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a salutation. We all know that. We memorized it a few weeks ago in the Habit series, if you were here for that. But even in the salutation, there is the sovereign will of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, that's who I am and what I do, and both of those things are determined by what? By the will of God. So Paul's saying right off the bat, if you want to just get a summary of where we're going, he's saying, this is who I am, changed into the person that I am currently, and this is what I'm about, fulfilling the role that God has given me on earth, and both of those things are the byproduct of the will of God. In other words, God's in charge of the world, newsflash, God runs the show. You're like, well, if he's running the show, he's not doing a very good job. I mean, maybe he's not reading the paper. Or maybe God's just checked out somewhere in outer space. No, God is running the show, and he's doing a very good job of it. You just have to wait him out to see how all of his paths and purposes and plans unfold. But here's a little, you know, sort of spoiler alert. They're all going to unfold exactly like he wants them to. Oh, man, I love saying that. I love saying that because it just allows us all to know today, yes, we're in the story. We're going to see that. We have choices. We're going to see that. We have a free will. We're going to see that. We can, you know, do what we please really right now with the options in front of us. But God is running the universe. And it's all going to conclude in the way that he wants it to, when he wants it to. And when it all does, there's going to be a lot of people going, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. And that's what we get in verses one and two. But the real meat for us begins in verse three. Take a deep breath with this because this is one of the most phenomenal things ever written on a piece of paper 
in the history of the world. You can look through every kind of literature on earth and not find three paragraphs that will change your life more than these right here. And it begins in verse 3 by saying this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're praising God ahead of time, you know it's going to get good. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So how many spiritual blessings do you have in Christ right now? In the heavenly realms, in the kingdom of God? How many spiritual blessings do you have? All of them. Everything you need for life in Christ you have right now. For he, the Father, God, chose us in him, Jesus Christ the Son, before the creation of the world. There's our world. Our word, chosen, for he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us. Now, that's the word everybody gets scared of. Don't, don't, don't get me around, you know, predestination, because I don't know about that. That freaks me out. Well, we're going to see tonight that it really doesn't need to freak anybody out. But it is very much woven into our story. In love, he God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ and his daughters in accordance with his pleasure and will. So again, what's right on the show? His pleasure, his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That's Jesus. In Jesus We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will. Can you say that line with me? He made known to us the mystery of his will. Let's say that together. The mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, To be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we also were chosen. There's our word. Having been predestined, there it comes again, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him, in Christ, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's breathtaking. And in it reside two ideas. And in it are two major themes about how we got to the place that we are in right now as the followers of God. And one of the big themes over this is God chooses God sets in motion, God decides, God orchestrates, it's God's doing. But also in the text is the other side of the equation that it says we who were the first to hope in Christ or when we believed in Christ. So we see two things happening 
in the same moment. A lot of you would say, well, I know how I became a Christian. It was when I was at summer camp and someone was, was sharing the gospel and my heart opened up and I totally realized that I needed a savior and I, I reached out to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus changed my life. Even some of you would say, I was in this church or in a church and the, the message of Jesus was being proclaimed and my eyes were open and it was like I was hearing it for the first time. I saw it for the first time. I knew that I needed a savior. I knew that I was dead spiritually and I needed life and I cried out to Jesus. I put my hope in Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus and I knew when I did that in that moment everything about my life changed. So is it that God already knew and decided that we were going to be his in the very beginning or was it that we saw Jesus, we wanted Jesus, we knew we needed Jesus, we called out to Jesus, we prayed to Jesus, put our faith in Jesus and trusted Jesus and we were saved. Was it God who did it all in the very beginning or was it us activating our faith that made us saved? And the answer is yes. And you're like, it can't be yes. No, it can. And it's called the divine mystery of God. And it's even right in the text. It says in verse 9, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. How God chooses us before the world, and he does, verse 4, He chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. He predetermined ahead of time that we were going to get to be adopted as sons and daughters of God in Christ. How he does that ahead of time and then gives us the ability to be in the story in real time to see, hear, know, understand, desire, and move with our free will to put our trust in Jesus is a beautiful divine mystery. And no, it doesn't resolve everything in a little, you know, 140 character tweet. But you can't resolve some of the great mystery of God, and honestly, you don't want to. God isn't like us. I know that's a, you know, hard for us sometimes to come around. You're like, oh, no, he's my best friend. He's my closest companion. He's, he, he's closer to me than a brother. He loves me, and I love him, and we have an incredible fellowship. And isn't that amazing that we have that kind of relationship with the God of the universe? You can tell him anything. You can talk to him about anything. He'll go anywhere, walk anywhere, stay with you in life, understands everything about your life. But we also remember when we're sitting across the table from him, he's not like us. We're not looking at someone who is our equal when we are walking with God. We're walking with somebody who thinks different than us, whose ways are bigger than our ways, whose understanding outpaces our understanding, whose vision goes further than our vision, who literally is running the world while we think we're running the world. He actually is running the entire world, speaks every language, knows every person, is present in every place, has all power, and no one can stop our God. And when we're walking in an intimate relationship with him, we got to remember there's a gap between us and him when it comes to who he is and who we are. Yes, we're his children born into his very likeness, the possibility to become like Jesus, but we're not going to become Jesus because Jesus is God and God is different than you and he's different than me. And in that, that means in our relationships, there's always going to be divine mystery. And you don't want to spend your whole life 
fighting up against the mystery to say, no, 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 I'm going to understand every single tiny detail of it. Why? Why not just stand in it and be amazed? Have you ever been somewhere crazy that you don't know how you got there? Anybody like that? Did you go somewhere? Did you get tickets to something? Did you get a backstage pass? Did you end up at some house? Did you end up in some job? Did you end up in this moment and you're like, how did we get here? Ever do that before? Anybody here? I don't know how we got here. And, but, but what you don't want to do in that moment is go, I don't know, let's figure it out. You got a pen? All right, great. Let's, let's start back at the beginning. Now, I was born in, you know, X, Y, and Z day. And then, you know, my parents, and maybe that's how they knew. You know, I, and then you trace and you try to do a diagram. No, at the end of the day, that's how you ruin a beautiful moment, by trying to figure out how did we get here. At the end of the day, you go, it is amazing that we are here. Let's just take it all in. And I'm not trying to simplify the mystery of God today. I'm just trying to help us enjoy the mystery of God today. And I'm trying to free you from feeling like you've got to choose camps when really all you have to do is choose Christ. All you got to do is choose Christ. But in choosing Christ, you have to understand that God has a sovereign plan that has been unfolding since the beginning of time. And the sovereign plan was that you would be chosen by God. So if you're walking alive right now, your heart should start beating a little faster right now. Because the reason why you're walking alive right now is because God chose you. You're like, no, 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 I, I, it was definitely me, Louie. I was a crazy man, a crazy woman. I was a hard case. I was a tough nut. I was way out in left field. And then finally, I sort of had it with all the other options. And one day I said, I'm fed up with what this world's got. And I'm choosing Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, on that day, there was not like lower ticker tape running across God's TV screen while he was watching whatever it was he was watching on that day that said, you're not going to believe this one. He went, of course, of course. You're like, man, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, how do you feel about this? Jesus said in one of the greatest passages in the Gospel of John, he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go forth and bear fruit, and the fruit that you bear would last forever. That's how this happened. Oh, yes, you did get to exercise your will. Well then, Louis, how did he choose us and we exercised our will? What a beautiful divine mystery that the God of all creation has given us a voice to call out to him and say, I wanna know you. I wanna trust you. But it is God who has orchestrated the process all along. Even in these verses, it says, those who were the first to hope in Christ. So they, they were involved in that. A few verses down, it says, having believed, you were marked with a seal. And so we're believing and we're hoping, but God is orchestrating and God is designing. You say, well, what, what does it look like in my life, Louis, if I embrace this word as God's word over me? What does it look like in my life? It looks like a few things. It looks like, number one, a day, every day, that is filled with holy awe. 
It looks like a life where every day is filled with holy all. There are no throwaway days if you know you're chosen by God. There's no, I'm not feeling it today days. Oh, yeah, there are days that we're not feeling it, but somewhere into the mix comes the reality, yeah, I'm not feeling it, but hello, I am chosen by God. And it changes our days. It crushes aimlessness. And aimlessness is the plight of our generation. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't know what possibilities are there in my life. And so I'm kind of like a pinball in a pinball machine right now. And I don't really have a direction. I don't really have a good grasp of what could be a direction. And that changes when we hear God speak over our lives. You are chosen. And we know somehow that before the Big Bang happened, and the Big Bang did happen, it's when God created the heavens and the earth. And when the big, before the Big Bang happened, you were already in Christ, in God, in the family, an adopted son or daughter of the King of Kings. Before the Big Bang, you were already adopted into the family of God. And if that doesn't put some holy awe in every day, then I don't know what's going to change in your world. Our days are filled with holy awe when we come to understand that we are chosen of God. The second thing that happens to you and me and why it matters is we, we get our hands on undeniable worth. See, the thing that's common about us tonight is that all of us want to know the same things. Do I matter? Am I valuable? Does anybody care about me? All of us want to know the same things when you get right down to the bottom of it. And that's why this upper list of things has life today. And that's why the labels bank. is because we're always looking for things to answer that question in our lives. And there are always people willing to step in and answer that question for you. There are always people willing to step in and tell you, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And you're like, hello. <laughs> and then they're gone. Or if they stay, you're banking on their opinion, not changing. But it's a variable, their opinion. And hopefully you'll find someone in life who does think you're the most beautiful man alive. The most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. But you can't bank on that ultimately and root in that ultimately. And then there are other people who are willing to absolutely destroy your sense of value and worth in this world. And they will walk out on you. They will turn their back on you. They will rip to shreds every commitment that they made to you. They will abandon you and reject you. But I'm telling you this, when God speaks to you, chosen. When he speaks chosen over you, it breaks rejection and it breaks abandon. And it even trumps your own view of you. Because, see, you don't get the last word about you. And if you settle with your word over you, you settle too soon because Jesus gets the last word. And Jesus is saying, I choose you. I don't know what your friends are piping in 
to your iMessage or into your Snapchat feed or into your text feed or into your friend's ear. But your friends don't get the last word. And if you're looking to your friends to give you the value that you need and you are living by their approval, as my friend Lecrae says, if you live by their approval, you will die by their rejection. And in the midst of it all, God says, I, I have a word for you that I'd like to speak over your life. I, I'd like you to wear this. God Almighty has chosen over you. The third thing that changes in us when we understand this word is we get paramount purpose. And we need purpose, don't we? And see, being chosen by God, it's not just a happy feeling. Oh, I feel good. That makes me feel good about me. That makes me feel a lot better about who I am to know that I'm chosen. God isn't saying that we're chosen so we can simply feel better about ourselves. He's choosing us for purpose. He's choosing us for purpose. So the fact that we're chosen of God gives us incredible worth and meaning, but it doesn't allow us just to freeze up in the, the position that we're in, it releases us into the purposes that God has for our lives. We understand everything matters when we are chosen by God. What's the purpose? It says right in verse 4, and there's a bunch of purpose in Ephesians. We'll look at some more of it along the way in the next few weeks. But it says, for he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us to adoption as his sons and daughters through Christ. So right away we know we were chosen so that we could live holy and blameless lives in a broken and crooked world so that we could live as adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings who understand the kingdom, see how it works, know the king personally, and then can help other people who can't seem to make sense of their lives because they feel unloved, unwanted, unplanned, and they don't think anybody cares about who they are. We now are in motion with a purpose as chosen people of God to be the light of the gospel and the love of God to the world. We're not going to be the frozen chosen, and that's always what they would say about people who would adopt a big God being sovereign sense of theology. Well, if God knows everything, runs everything, is in charge of everything, why should I go across the street and tell my neighbor about Jesus or really worry about my coworker? Or certainly, why should I go to Nepal or to some other faraway place and preach the gospel to people who've never heard about Jesus? God's got it. He's in charge. He runs it. He plans it all. The reason we do is because God gave us the place we have in his family so that we could be an extension of his heart of grace and mercy to the whole world. And even if you verses later. Paul says, for we are God's workmanship. He did it. Created in Christ. He did it for good works that we should walk in them. And even the writer of this book, Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, which is far away from where he started out in faith with Christ because he's been propelled by the gospel of grace to all the people in the known world with the story. You say, well, if God sets it all in motion, why should I worry about going and telling the whole city about Jesus? Because he invited us to be in the story with that amazing opportunity. And that's why we go, because we know that the gospel says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we go, and we lift up Jesus 
and we live lives of purpose. We, we walk into days and into moments and into opportunities and we look around and we don't wait for the moment or the day or the opportunity to validate us. We walk invalidated into the moment, into the opportunity, into the situation, into the day, into the job, into the class, into, the, into whatever situation is. We walk in the door going, I'm chosen by God. I mean, we're not saying that out loud because that annoys people, but internally we're rooted in that all the way deep down to our core and we're walking into every kind of moment going, I'm chosen by God. Well, you don't look like it because you're doing a nothing job right now. I know, I might be doing what looks like to you a nothing job, but I am not a nothing person. I'm a chosen person of God in this role, in this moment, for this moment, and I'm gonna own this moment because I'm a person of purpose because I was chosen by God. And the last thing is it gives us unshakable confidence. I mean, think about that name, chosen. Cam Newton, uh, NFL MVP Cam Newton, Carolina Panthers, Auburn University, national champion quarterback. Look, you got to cling on to what you got. <laughs> you got you to hold on to the past if you have to. Cam Newton had a son a few months ago, and he, he named his son Chosen Newton. And the reason why he named him Chosen is because he said, I don't want my son to go to school and have another kid in his class with the same name. So all the Matthews in the world, you know, Your parents gave you John. They were not looking out for you. They were just trying to put you into the big stream of the Johns of the world or the Matthews of the world or the Davids of the world. He said, no, no, I'm chosen. It's going to be my kid's name. But I'm thinking that could be a real struggle if chosen ends up, you know, going to karate or uh, going to dance class or going to football practice or going to whatever it is he signs up for. And there's another chosen in that class. That could be awkward. It's your name, Chosen. Oh, my name's Chosen. No, I'm Chosen. No, I'm Chosen. And it's like, when's your birthday? You know, I was Chosen first. I was the first Chosen here. But think about it. Think about it. This is extraordinary. Our names are Chosen. In Christ, our name is Chosen. And it's okay that you have it too. I'm not mad about it. Chosen? Me too. Because it's not about who has the name. It's about the fact that the God of the universe gave it to us in Christ. And it gives us unshakable confidence in life. No matter what. No matter what the circumstances, we're confident in the sovereign God who orchestrates the affairs of our lives. Do you love the song, Oceans? Mom, Dad, do you even love the song, Oceans? The kids tried to own that. Grandma, Grandpa, do you know the song, Oceans? We've sung it at Passion City, so many churches around the world sung it for a time and may still for all time be the most downloaded worship song in digital music so far. 
the whole world awakened to this song. And the whole song is about the mystery, isn't it? That's kind of what makes the song what it is to you and me. It says, you lead me out, where? Upon the waters. What kind of waters? Deepest waters. Where? Into the unknown. God, what? Leads us where? Into deep waters. No, we don't want to go in deep waters. We want to go in waist deep waters. It's not as cool of a song, but that's really more about what we want. You lead me out into waist deep waters. Everything's cool. I can touch the bottom. I can have my lunch on the side of the pool, but I'm still in the pool. No, you lead me out where I'm out of my depth. I'm over my head. I'm out of control. I'm not dictating. I'm not orchestrating. I'm not running. You lead me out there. But here's why it's okay. This is my line in this song. Because your sovereign hand will be my guide. What does that mean? It means that there is a God who's bigger than history, bigger than the circumstance, bigger than the story, and deeper than the ocean, and he leads me. Because somebody's going to tell you, they're going to come raining right down on your chosen parade, and they're going to say, wow, you don't look chosen sitting there getting this chemotherapy regimen today. If you're so chosen of God, and he's such a great God, why are you sitting in that chair right now? And in that moment, I believe the difference between whether you crumble, I crumble, we crumble, or whether we have an unshakable confidence in our lives is our comprehension and apprehension of the sovereign hand of God that orchestrates and leads our lives through it all. You're like, well, that sounds like pie in the sky. You always come up with this preacher talk. Have you ever had to sit in that chair? No, I have not. I have a dear family member sitting in it. Well, how, 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 where, where, where do you get that? I get it right here. You know who wrote this? Paul. Do you know where he wrote these words that we rejoice in? He wrote them in a jail cell as a prisoner of his faith. And he never saw the light of day as a free man again. And in it all, he said, guess who it is chained up to the guard today, chosen of God. Therefore, I'm unshakable in these circumstances of being in this jail because this jail got nothing on the God of all creation. I am in his plan. I'm in his place. I'm on his schedule. I'm accomplishing his purposes. And somebody would have looked at him and said, you're not chosen. This couldn't have been predestined. God wouldn't have done this. God wouldn't have put you here. And Paul would say the same thing I would encourage us to say when the world looks at your circumstances and says, man, I don't see how you could be chosen and be in the boat that you're in right now. The answer to that is just wait. Just wait. 
And if you'd barged into Paul's prison cell the day that the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write these words of God on a parchment that would be transferred to us in this moment to celebrate and see what God has done. And you said to him, I don't buy it. I can't see God doing anything in this. Paul would have just said to you, just wait. Just wait. The prison is for a second. The kingdom of God and the glory of God working through my life right now will last forever. I'm unshakable in the circumstance because I am confident in a sovereign God. The people who are unshakable through it all are the people who know they were chosen before it all. And this is what God is writing over your life tonight. You are not rejected. You are chosen by God. You are not insignificant. You are not forgotten. You were not an accident. You were not unplanned. You were not a surprise. You were not not lovable. And you were not not valuable. You have always been and you always will be to God Almighty of extraordinary value. That before there was a world for you to live in, a church for you to see God in, a summer camp for you to give your heart to Jesus at, before there was a universe for us to exist in, God already was on the record and he said, I choose you. And those other words, oh, they're real. They're real words. For a lot of us in the building, they're real words, but they're not the last word. They're not the final word. They're not God's word over you. So you got to come to terms tonight with what you've settled with. You have to take that up tonight. And at some point you have to go, I've settled for the wrong word, from the wrong thing, the wrong person. You have to have revelation tonight. Not some mysterious word that God gives you that nobody else has. The ability to see what God has already spoken in his word that is right in front of you right now. You have to have revelation, it says right in this chapter. To see God writing over your life tonight. Chosen of God. You have to be willing tonight to agree with God. And that's a big step. To say not only did God say it, I'll say it. In Christ, in God, before it all. I'm chosen of God. No way. How did I get here? I'm going to figure it all out. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stand in amazement at it. And I'm just going to take it all in. You have to break ties tonight 
with lesser words. And you have to wear well what God has spoken over you.